almost every story is either Loki pulling a trick or Loki making a bad decision. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Welcome back to All Booked, another episode of Sterling Municipal Library's podcast where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And our guest for today is Katie. It's me. Yes. And she is going to be talking about Norse mythology. Now, we're not talking about Norse mythology in general. We're talking about the book specifically by Neil Gaiman. That's right. Written by Neil Gaiman, but also I listened to the audiobook, which was read by Neil Gaiman as well. And... I don't know a ton about Norse mythology. Everything I know is like... From the Marvel uh, Universe? From the Marvel uniform <laughs> Universe. Maybe a little Rick Riordan. Oh, yes. As well. It, it's stuff that I've picked up kind of through other mediums. I haven't really sat down and read Norse mythology like people read Greek mythology and things like that. It's just not as common, I think. It's getting more common, I think, especially with, with Marvel <laughs> coming yes. out. People are like, who is this Thor? Who is this Loki? But yes, so Norse mythology is a pretty short book, I think, as far as as far as far Neil Gaiman goes. And it's a collection of stories, yes. too. It's not just a single book yes. you read cover and I, to cover. I believe the audiobook was six and a half or seven hours, so it was very manageable, even if you don't have a lot of like commute time to listen to audiobooks, especially because, like you said, it's a collection of short stories, so you can really get through maybe like... 45 minutes and then that's a complete story you can put it down and come back to another time and you won't have to remember any of it because like a lot of mythology it doesn't really call back to previous times that often um (laughs) but neil gaiman makes it very clear that he read a ton of norse mythology and then wrote the stories that spoke to him the most but also it's his interpretation of it he doesn't he's not a Norse scholar, so he's not right. writing down the most factual or like the earliest recorded stories. He's writing down the ones that interested him and made him really think about the characters a lot more. And some of his stories are really funny in it. There, a lot of them are very funny, especially because it was as much as it was a different culture to Greek mythology. And I'm going to use that as kind of a touchstone because I think that's what most people are familiar with as as far as reading mythology. It's very similar in that they are very much people that are just real strong. How strong? It really depends on which story you're reading. It changes. (laughs) Sometimes strong enough to lift a stone, um, but only one big stone. And then sometimes strong enough to wrestle the water snake, the sea snake that wraps around the world so much that earthquakes start. So (laughs) how big are they? It really depends. (laughs) Uh, So it has that very changeable plot convenience. Yes, that is that makes sense. Like when you're when you're sitting many, 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 many hundreds of years ago in a group and you're talking about like why earthquakes happen, suddenly Thor has to be strong enough to to strangle a sea snake (laughs) because that's how earthquakes happen. But they have a very interesting cast of characters, a lot of stuff that you may have kind of heard from Marvel in that the character names are similar or maybe the types of personalities they have are similar, but it is so much more so in Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology. Mostly, Thor is much crazier in that he's <laughs> he's like full frat boy. All he wants is to eat a bunch, to drink a bunch, 
and to be better than everyone else at all of the cool things. So if anyone lifts something big, Thor has to be there lifting something bigger because he has to prove that he's the best. Oh my. Loki weirdly is not Thor's brother in this. It will like half brother or whatever yeah. the other story is. As far as I could tell, he is kind of like a blood brother to Odin. Okay. So I think Odin does kind of like find him and they do, are raised that way but it's very clear from the beginning Loki never thinks that he's Odin's son which makes a very different dynamic and Loki is like way more mischievous in here. Oh good. In a way that in a way that is very funny because he tries to sneak away a lot. They had a story that I believe is probably like the story of how we started fishing with nets because they talk about the creation of a net and it doesn't have a name in the story so they have to name it. But it's literally because Loki is trying to hide because he did a very bad thing. (laughs) So he turns into a salmon and tries to hide in a river and they have to figure out a way to catch him and that's how they do it. But the biggest thing that I saw throughout this is... A lot of it is about how natural events happen, which makes sense. How storms happen, how earthquakes happen, why it's certain temperatures sometimes, and even why mountains are shaped the way they are. Like, there was a story about Thor hitting a mountain and he didn't know he was hitting a mountain. It was a a glamour thing, illusion. But then they're like, look at that mountain that you hit. And it's a mountain that has a really deep valley in it. And that's like the description of why that happened. So it's very interesting from that perspective. I think anytime you read about mythology, it's really cool to see how a group of people started trying to make sense of the world. They looked out and they were just like, earthquakes. We clearly don't know about tectonic planes. Yes. <laughs> so what's this? And they have to think about like what makes sense from their like historical and cultural perspective and build a narrative around that. And I think that is a very interesting thing to look at. Can you give an example of one of Loki's kind of tricks that he pulls? Oh, gosh. So almost every story is either Loki pulling a trick or Loki making a bad decision. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I'll say one of them that's really interesting. The gods are trying to build a wall outside of their city. And they're just like, oh, it's going to take so much time, so much money. The perspective of how big this wall is is really confusing sometimes because they have a person appear, looks like them, real charming, says, I'll build the wall in two seasons. I think seasons are a full year, though, Okay, from what I've gathered. And they say, I'll build the wall. And they say, okay, but you can't have any help because all he wants to build this wall is the sun, the moon, and Freya. Of course. I was wondering (laughs) when we were going to talk about Freya. Yes. Freya gets dropped into bargains very often. Luckily, they have enough respect for her. Like, they ask, like, hey, Freya, do you want to get married off? And she's usually like, please go away, and then just leaves because she's... (laughs) (laughs) She's done with it. She's done with it. for how many hundreds of years? I think it happens three times in this book, maybe, that people... Are you are using her as a bargaining chip of some kind? But yeah, so this man wants those three things, and Loki's like, "It's fine. We'll tell him he can only do it in one season. He'll never be able to finish a wall that big in one season. So we can definitely bet Freya and the Moon and the Sun. It's fine." And then they realize this man is clearly not what he seems because he builds almost the whole wall in a season and they i'm sorry (laughs) this is just so funny and the reason he does this is because he has an incredibly strong horse that can haul all of the boulders down for him and to stop this they basically all turn to loki and they're like loki this is your problem 
you need to figure out how to stop this man from doing it. We made a blood oath, so we cannot turn like we cannot turn him away if he finishes this wall in a season. We have to give him the sun, the moon, and Freya. So Loki, hard at work, is trying to think of a solution to this and decides, aha, the horse is the answer. So what could I do to distract this horse? Oh, no. Maybe I could become a pretty lady horse. Oh, no. <laughs> this is how Loki has one of his children. So it does work. The The man, of course, is very upset. He transforms, and I think he's an ogre. They have a few different kinds of, like, larger creatures in here, mostly neutral or anti-Norse gods. <laughs> so that one in particular was was pretty funny because a lot of the times, what Neil Gaiman says in the beginning is a lot of the time Loki causes the problem, but then fixes it. So everyone's just kind of like, eh, he can stay around. Like they, they get annoyed with him, but then when he fixes it, somehow it's like a little bit better than it was for before for them. So they, they're okay with it. I don't know if they kind of got your irritation and entertainment. Yeah. And they usually get like some sort of bonus. Like the bonus here was that they had most of a wall. So, so there's a little scrambling at the end. Uh, I don't think Freya's happy about it because it, it, a lot of the time it's her that, that is, that is on the <laughs> bargaining table. But it's, it's very much this like humorous kind of a little bit body, but not really energy that feels, feels like it fits in the type of society that they had. Like it's very like strength based. It's very like eating and drinking a lot and just like having a party when you can figuring out how to fix the crazy things that happen, and marrying off random women. <laughs> Were there any gods or goddesses that you did not know about that you learned about in the story? There, You'll have to forgive me because I can't remember the names, but there is one goddess who holds the apples of immortality. So in Norse mythology, I guess the gods are not immortal. What they oh. have to do is they eat the apples of immortality when they start aging, and it kind of reverts them back to their, like, most hale and hearty forms. So I, I had never heard of this of this goddess, and she literally just has a box that she has she protects, and it's just full of the apples that I think they're golden or something. And of course, Loki ruins that, too. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what doesn't he ruin? So there was... There was that goddess, and I also didn't realize that Loki had a wife. Oh. I think he might have had two wives, actually. He had, like, kind of, like, Norse god wife, and then... Um, Someone he tricked? The what, what are the frost giants? Yes, frost giant wife, because okay. he, he was a frost giant. And at the end of the world, which happens all before our world happens, so okay. there's, there's the end of the world, everything sucks, everyone dies, and then it gets better and that the idea is that like it's a continuous circle it'll keep happening okay kind of it's very weird and i don't know if that's actually in norse mythology or if that was just neil gaiman's like interesting narrative take on on that but loki has a number of children and his children never do anything to anybody but because they are related to loki and because odin hears that loki's children will be the end of them it's kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy that you see in greek mythology a lot where he he takes actions against them because he thinks they're going to destroy him and uh, that makes okay. that makes, makes them, them want to and destroy him. yes them and loki a little upset but i didn't realize that the idea was that loki was chained underground in the deepest cave and they suspended a poisonous snake maybe above him and oh this is gonna be real dark so they transform one of his kids into a wolf a feral wolf and that kid kills the other kid they use 
the organs of the other kid to tie Loki to the stone tablet. Dang. And then they harden into chains that are unbreakable to him. And then the poisonous monster, because I can't remember if it was a snake, drips poison into his eyes. But they leave his wife there and they don't really give her, they're like, you can go if you want, but you can also stay. And she decides to stay and she like holds a bowl above his eyes so to catch the poison and then turns away. And the only and like every time an earthquake happens, it's because she turned away to put the poison on the ground and some got in his eyes and he pulled at his chains. It's this very th- there's so many like relationships like this where it feels like they're trying to be like, look, what a loyal relationship. But when Loki is freed at the end of the world during Ragnarok and he's piloting a piloting <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with boats? How do you drive those? Oh, just steering? <laughs> steering, sure. When he's when he, he's at the helm of, of a boat, guess who's not mentioned with him? His wife. And I'm like, this woman stood beside you <laughs> forever. And the moment you get free, you're just like, bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for helping me. See you later. I've got things to do. But like Neil Gaiman says, a huge, a huge amount of Norse mythology is missing to us. Um, a lot of it is because persecution and like people having to hide their stories or pass them off as stories from other cultures by changing the names and some of the details because it just wasn't allowed to worship Norse gods when they started getting taken over by just general (laughs) Western civilization. Right. And it's really interesting because so many things in our world are named after parts of Norse mythology, but at the same time, I think he says, like, something like 80% of all the stories are missing. So we're only seeing 20%, which is probably why we don't see more stories about the women. (laughs) I mean, even just one or two would be nice. But I'm imagining that's probably why, because maybe they were not the most integral tales. Yeah. So they were the first to be cast off. But when you think about it, for one, the person who rules over the realm of the dead that did not die in battle the unhonorable dead or whatever, dishonorable dead, which rude. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry I got old and had a heart fighting. attack. That means I was good at fighting. <laughs> is Hell, which is Loki's daughter. And if you did not know, Hell is named Hell. <laughs> uh, and it is for people who do bad and don't get into good good afterlife, which is very interesting to me that that is something I don't know, like, etymologically, if that's the same, like, root, like, if it came from that but it makes sense that it did because it's it's a place that serves the same purpose but is, you know, not ruled by a lady, but that's fine. But it's called Hell with an extra L on it because she was just H-E-L. So there's so many things like that, like, you know, Thursday being named after Thor, Wednesday being like Odin's Day and things like that that have made it into Western civilization while so many stories didn't. So there's just all of this, like, foundation. It's like running across, a like, the ruins of a castle and knowing there was a castle there, but having no idea what it looked like because yeah. you can only see the foundations. But I definitely recommend this book, especially if... You are someone who likes shorter reads. If you are someone who likes mythology, it's really cool to explore other mythologies because you get to see a kind of world that doesn't exist in the other places, whether it's like because like the climate is different, whether it's because the culture is different, you get to see a, kind of a window into another group of people. And something else to keep in mind is the audiobook is delightful since it is Neil Gaiman reading. And, and Neil he, Gaiman has a fantastic voice. Yes, and he is very good at reading his stories. Not all authors are. I yes. know that sounds really funny, but... 
Well, it requires a lot of character to to narrate a story. Uh, It's not just being able to say the words in a nice way or even having a good voice. There are plenty of people who have very nice voices but wouldn't read them very well. Whereas Neil Gaiman has a ton of like character. He doesn't necessarily do the voices for characters, but you definitely get the idea that there are different people. Like he has he has a lot of different tones and ways of speaking to to differentiate. And he is also just like clearly so passionate about this. It's something that he said he loved like since he was a boy. So he's got a lot of that like pizzazz in there yeah. because he's so excited to be like sharing these stories with people. So I would definitely recommend the audiobook. If you're not for audiobooks, the book is it can't be more than like 250 pages long. Like I think it's, it's about it's, 300. I have it. Okay, yeah. It, it's it's very short considering it's a bunch of short stories. And Neil Gaiman also gets into a little bit of his background about why he's writing it, what he used to reference, because like I said, it's not a historical text, but he did read other stories to kind of like get an amalgamation of the things that he enjoyed. Oh, you also get a story of how Mjolnir was created, which is really interesting. It was created because of Loki. Of course. (laughs) Which is another reason why I said they like having Loki around, because half the time Freya gets sold off, half the time they get a Mjolnir. (laughs) It's a real real 50-50 as whether or not he's going to give you, have a good day with you. It's really interesting if you are not one for, like, it's a very weird type of story for me to describe because like I said it's very it's from a society that is very clearly about like shows of strength and like honor and like and things like that so if so if you get like annoyed by people being like ah you lifted a cool <laughs> thing I will lift an even cooler thing you drank a horn I'll drink two horns no yeah and and the but the descriptions are a little humorous like there's a drinking cup that's the size of like a house or something and like <laughs> Thor has to has to lift it and carry it out and he's like under it like a little mouse like <laughs> so there's a lot of really fun stuff it's definitely something that you could read in like little short spurts it will probably be humorous to you i laughed a number of times while reading it so and i think that's part of the point like it's it's supposed to be educational like in the original telling it's supposed to be educational about the world but it's also supposed to be something to pass the time something fun that will like keep you engrossed and make you you know excited about all the drama the suspense so I 100% rec- recommend the audiobook, but the book is also good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so one character that you haven't talked a lot about is Odin. Do you get a very good feel for him? You did. You do get a good feel. You get a little bit of background in the few, first few stories, because I think he tries to put them a little chronologically. Okay. Like there's like start of the world stories, and then there's end of the world stories, and then things in the middle. You get an idea of how he became Odin, because he was not one-eyed at first. He was not all-knowing. He did a bunch of things, I think, that are maybe on the line of not something that you shouldn't do. I think he said, he, they, they say he hung himself from the roots of the, of the, like, the world tree to, like, I can't remember if this was to gain knowledge or something, but basically someone was like, if you do this impossible thing, you get really cool stuff, and he was just like, <laughs> done. He is very... He's very much like a an all-powerful, like, more father-like figure, but he does a similar thing that Zeus in Greek mythology does, not the having relationships with many people, more the wandering the world. So the idea is that he wanders around, he will assume a human persona and kind of do the same thing where, where you know, I think it's pretty common for people to think that, like, whoever is in charge, in your opinion, of the world will check up on people sometimes. Yeah. So he'll go down to the Earth plane and be like, 
I'll be back in a few years. <laughs> Let's see what I can do down there. So you get that that similar vibe of kind of like a fatherly figure in that he's like looking out after the other gods. Like he is in charge. He's making sure everything stays in line. He fully believes that like if he makes a promise, he has to go through with it, which makes him very angry sometimes mm. because probably Loki ruined the the terms of the game but he's also 100 percent not afraid of making loki do the dirty work if he's like we cannot fulfill this deal loki you need to figure out how to get us out of it it's a, it's a very cool dynamic i think and you get a little bit about ooh, frig i think that's his wife maybe as well and and my favorite part it's very hard to go back into mythology and feel like women were equal because they weren't right, right. but the thing that makes me the happiest is how they wax poetic about how beautiful Balder is. And Balder is a man. And I'm just like, <laughs> good. I'm glad the most beautiful god is a man. That makes me so happy. Like, that they weren't just like, yeah, it's the goddess of being hot. Like, she's right over there. That's all she does. She just is hot. Uh, she tempts everybody. Yeah, very tempting. Um, no, <laughs> Balder is the most beautiful. And the the story of Balder. Have you ever heard of Balder? I haven't. Okay, so the story of Balder is that everyone loves Balder because not only is he super attractive, he's also just like generally a cool guy. So everyone loves him so much. And there is a story where there's a prophecy that he's going to die. So there's this really interesting like personification of the natural world where Balder's mother, I think Frigg, don't forgive me if I mess up names, <laughs> goes around to every living thing and. Un, like an inorganic thing, everything, and asks like, "Hey, will you promise not to kill my son?" Everything from things that make sense, like bears, to like pebbles, and they're all just like, "No, we love Balder. We'd never hurt him." But she forgets about a single plant because it is a small, unassuming plant, a plant that could never possibly kill anyone. Mistletoe. Oh no. Yes, and guess who hears about this and decides to make some trouble. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So that's a really interesting story. And I think part of it is it was it was so cool because just the idea that someone made a whole story about mistletoe, like, you know, you yeah. think of it these days. And I guess you like you don't think that someone found it important enough to write an entire like saga about how mistletoe is bad. But yeah, so it, it's just really cool to see what survived out of all of those tales. I think it would be, it makes sense, like, things about the creation and destruction of the world that those would survive, but the small stories that survive, like, how to make a net and things like that, are just really cool because it gives you this, like, boring look into yeah. the life of the gods in theory. The idea that a god makes a net and then goes, hmm, I've never seen this thing before. What will I call it? A net. <laughs> it's just really interesting. And yeah, I can't I can't say enough about it. I don't want to tell everyone all the stories that are in it. I've only touched on a few of them and not in such an eloquent manner as Neil Gaiman. But I definitely think it's something that you should check out if you like any Rick Riordan, if you like anything about mythology in general, if you like the show Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or if you just like want that. to read a story about Thor in a dress, and I'm not going to say any more about that one. Yes, Thor is a beautiful lady. Yes. <laughs> Even if he can eat two whole goats. I think that's all the questions I have for I, you. I will not hold anyone any longer. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for reviewing this book for us. Of course. And stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye!